want to talk about spiritual gifts again. And of course, whenever you talk about gifts, it should be understood as being in the context of the entire body of believers or the community or the church family. So I've entitled uh, the message this morning, Bodybuilding, uh, not, not meaning that we are a bunch of bodybuilders, heaven forbid, uh, but we might be able to learn a few things from bodybuilders. Uh, professional bodybuilders are very interesting creatures, uh, incredibly disciplined people, and they will usually do anything to win a bodybuilding competition. And due to the competitive nature of bodybuilding, um, in order to win the competition, they cannot have any weak body parts. Uh, for example, if, you're, if your calf mu- muscles don't bulge out, you're not going to be competitive. Or if you don't have uh, biceps that bulge, you might as well just hang it up. Strange sport, I know. But for all their peculiarities, uh, bodybuilders understand the value and the significance of every part of the body because there can't be any underdeveloped or lagging parts. Every single part of the body has to develop and function at its absolute best. And I mention all of that because God is very interested in bodybuilding. And, uh, of course, his idea of bodybuilding is of a different nature, but yet he still wants every muscle of the church to be built up as well. Uh, He doesn't want there to be any thoughts of superiority among the parts of the body. He expects every part of the body to grow and to do what it does or what it's supposed to do. So even though each of us, in a sense, come to salvation individually, the Bible also tells us that we're saved into a community of believers. And in our text this morning, the Apostle Paul tells us how that community is made to operate. And it also reminds us We're a part of something much bigger than ourselves or our individual lives, which is encouraging. We're all a part of the body. So, how do we build up the body? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. It says, The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. 
But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. So the first two verses, you notice, give us this body imagery that's developed in the rest of the passage. And Paul helps us to understand and appreciate the unity of the body. He states that every part is essential because they're a part of the church, um, just like there are different organs or parts of a physical body. So we're all part of one body. And Paul is so intent on driving that point home, uh, he refers to Christ as the church. Um, This is one of those places in Scripture where all believers collectively are called Christ at the end of verse 12. And if you think about Paul, he's realized this on the road to Damascus. When he falls, he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He had been persecuting Christians, not realizing that in so doing, he was persecuting Christ. And Saul, who later became Paul, would one day learn that every believer is a member of God's body. Likewise, you and I are part of the body of Christ, and we are one body. And Paul explains the reason for the oneness of the church. We've all been placed into the body of Christ. And he puts it like this in verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so Paul argues that every Christian has experienced baptism in the Spirit. We're not talking about water baptism in this place. And notice the word all here, as well as the past tense, were baptized, meaning that every believer shares in this experience. It occurs the moment that we trust in Jesus Christ. And so in this baptism, the Holy Spirit baptizes the believer into the body of Christ. He makes us a part of his church. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit means if you belong to Jesus Christ, you belong to everyone else who belongs to Jesus Christ, regardless of age or status or maturity. doesn't matter. We are now on equal footing in a sense that all members are part of the body of Christ. And it's a beautiful picture when it's working as it's designed. And I mean the human body and the body of Christ. It's, it's meant to be beautiful. But I think we have to admit that there are two key problems that constantly plague the church and prevent us from enjoying the kind of unity in our different gifts and abilities. And those two tendencies 
we could simply call self-pity and pride. When certain Christians think they just don't have anything to offer, um, then they fail to participate in the life of the, of the church, then the body can't be complete. On the other hand, when some in the church think of themselves as God's gift to the church and they don't allow others to contribute their gifts, again, the body cannot function well. And so if this passage, passage teaches anything, it teaches you and I that both inferiority feelings and superiority feelings are out of bounds in Christ's church. Everybody is somebody because we're in this together. We're in this body together. So, how do you build up the body? Very briefly this morning, how do you build up the body? Well, according to verses 14 through 20, uh, the first point, if you're taking notes this morning, is do not underestimate your importance to the body of Christ. In these verses, Paul in a somewhat humorous way, gets his point across that every member of the body has a different role to play, but that all the parts are needed for the body to function. And he uses two different body parts, uh, the foot and the ear, to say, because I am not the hand or eye, I'm not of the body. And so in this section, certain members feel inferior. But Paul writes in verse 14, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And so he's making the simple statement here that every part of the body, every organ is valuable. Uh, Again, everybody is somebody because we're in this together. Listen to verses 15 and 16. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason... Stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. This phrase, I am not a part of the body, occurs in both verse 15 and 16. And it's an indication of a feeling of insignificance. It's this thought that no one thinks I'm important or significant here. You know, I I have little to contribute to the ministry here. I I really don't matter to this church. And in this context, the foot is jealous of the hand because he covets the hand's prominence. Uh, The hand is out in public, but the foot is confined in a shoe. It's a great, great analogy because the foot is jealous because he covets the hand's prominence. Um, The hand's out in public. The foot is combined, um, and I don't know about you, but when I think in terms of my feet, that's not something that I really want to go out in public and be seen. Maybe you feel differently about your feet, but in, in contrast to that, um, our hands we tend to take care of. You know, we some people manicure, uh, some people put lotion or ointment on their hands, some people put rings or jewelry on them, um, but rarely do we do that with the feet. Hands take a scalpel. They do uh, delicate operations. They play the piano or maybe the violin. No wonder the foot feels inferior. The foot feels inferior because the hand is always out in the limelight, always seen, always recognized. And yet, as we think about this analogy, the body would be in bad shape without the foot. 
I mean, if you have ever dislocated a tiny bone in your foot, you know the, the rest of the body is miserable. Feet are crucial. They're awfully important. And so why should the foot say, I don't count. I'm not important. No one ever notices me. No one cares what I do. I don't belong. I might as well give up. No. Paul says, don't think that way. God rewards the foot based on being a foot. And so if you've been gifted as a foot, it would be easy to look at those gifted as hands and think how skilled, how capable they are, and that you're not important at all. I get that. You may think that. And you you need to know, if that's your thought, that all God expects is that you do what you can do with what you have. And remember that each part of the body is important. It's crucial. Everybody is somebody because we're in this together. Same way as the ear comparing itself to the eye. The church needs all the gifts. Uh, my, my preaching is only as powerful as your prayers. Our, our nursery ministry on Sunday morning is just as important as people who are leading worship. We need everyone in the body. So please don't underestimate your gift. Please don't think that you don't have a gift. You do. Find it. Use it. Value that. Build up the body. Use your gift. Beginning in verse 21, you'll notice there's a transition from those who feel inferior in their gifts to those who feel superior. So the second instruction for building up the body is do not overestimate your importance to the body of Christ. Paul explains in verses 21 through 26 that we need to squash spiritual pride because we all need each other. He writes in verse 21, The eye cannot save the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot save the feet, I don't need you. And so I believe with this statement, Paul is getting closer to the difficult issue that's being faced in Corinth, which is pride. And Paul wants to get across that all the members in Corinth need each other. No one's dispensable. And so, church family, from that I say to you, we are the body of Christ. God is the one who has called us into this. God is the one who has given us our gifts and everything that we have. And so, Who are we to think that we can do without someone else in the body? Who are we? Paul continues his rebuke, verses 22 through 25. He says, On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. The reason Paul is saying all this is because the Corinthians had chosen the most visible or audible gifts, and they had chosen them for selfish reasons. But Paul argues every member of the body is necessary. And I think we have to remember, what, what, what is the purpose of these gifts? Why have we been given these gifts in the first place? And the sole purpose of the gifts are to build up the body of Christ. Uh, and so the true 
measure of greatness for any gift would be the usefulness to the body of Christ. How does that apply to our church? Well, it means that we value people, and we value the people up front. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not encouraging you to not, not to value us, people who are up front. Please do. Um, but we value especially the people who are working behind the scenes. We especially do. We, we value those who serve faithfully and quietly, those who serve joyfully. So don't overestimate your gifts. And I, this confession, I've done that sometimes. I thought I was bigger than I was, and I'm not. That's pride. Don't, don't do that. Value the different gifts in the body. In verse 26, Paul writes a powerful verse here. He says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Um, so, have you had a cold lately? Have you had a sickness Many of us have. If you've had a simple cold or a cough or a sore throat, then you understand how that affects the entire body. And so when one part of your body suffers, the whole body is brought down. And, and Paul takes this theme of mutual care and he takes it one step further here. As members of the same body, we are closely bound together, so much so that we actually share the same feelings. So... What causes joy for one member delights the whole body. And when one member suffers, the entire body does along with it. We hurt. So, and sometimes on a Sunday morning, that happens simultaneously. Uh, But we, we should share. We should celebrate good things together. We should walk with others in their times of pain. That's how God has designed it to work. And so... Once we put aside our feelings or these thoughts of being either inferior or superior, then thirdly, we can celebrate the variety in the body. Celebrate the variety in the body. Verses 27 through 31, Paul takes this analogy of the physical body and he, he applies it practically in terms of gifting and how ministry is to be expressed. And there's a wide variety of gifts given here. And there isn't time this morning to explain each one, but let me just touch on a couple of of gifts that he gives here. In verse 28, the Spirit, he says, gives some the spiritual gift of helps. This is the spiritual ability to come alongside others and support them and their ministry in very tangible, physical ways. And so this gift of helps or helping others is seen in the lives of many of Paul's fellow workers, and he actually lists them out in Colossians chapter 4, for example. Uh, This gift of helps is also found in the greetings that he sends to his friends in the letter to the Romans, chapter 16. And so it, it becomes clear the church needs people with the gift of helps. Another part of the body that comes out here that I want to highlight, verse 28, is the spiritual gift of administration. This is the spiritual ability to give guidance or to pilot or to steer or to to be the helmsman for the local church, helping direct its life and its order. And it's the ability to love and to organize people. It carries the idea of governing as seen in the ministry of Stephanus in 1 Corinthians 16. So that's good news for me too. The church needs organizers who love people. Wonderful gift. In conclusion, 
Paul says in verse 31, Eagerly desire the greater gifts, and now I will show you the most excellent way. So, how can Paul say that there are greater gifts when in the rest of the chapter he's been saying that all are essential? I believe he's being sarcastic here. And so those of you with sarcastic humor, and some of you are laughing right now, uh, you'll, you'll appreciate this. I believe he's being sarcastic. He says, essentially, you prideful Corinthians, everyone has different gifts. Celebrate that. But if you keep eagerly desiring the, quote, greater gifts, then I will show you the most excellent way. And that's when he moves into chapter 13, which we mentioned last week, as the one thing that holds all these gifts together, which is love and loving one another. And Paul will remind his dear spiritual family that even if they had all the gifts functioning within the local church, it would still be worthless without a heart filled with agape love. And agape love, we know, is that unselfish, that self-sacrificial love that flows like a river out of the heart of God. And so that's what puts the pieces together. I'm thankful. It's not my preaching. It's the love of God. It's the Spirit of God. He puts it all together, and He holds it together. And so finally, to build up the body of Christ... As I said, we can't underestimate our importance. We can't overestimate our importance. We celebrate the different gifts that God has given us. And so I want you to imagine or actually look at a large puzzle with many pieces uh, that we're attempting to put together and that we're in this process of putting together. And just like uh, a challenging jigsaw puzzle, each piece has a different shape and a different color and Every piece is needed in order to finish the puzzle. And so there's no extra pieces that you discard, right? And if we weren't certain of that, I'm not sure I would even start the puzzle if I didn't know all the pieces were there. I mean, who needs that frustration? But, But every piece, as you do a puzzle, fits in only one place. And so if we try to force those puzzles into a place where it doesn't fit, the corners get bent Uh, Another piece is prevented from taking its rightful spot and so forth. And so in that way, our church is like a jigsaw puzzle. And we have many individuals here, thankfully, that call living life their church home. And and each one has unique talents and abilities and spiritual gifts. And each one is vital to the big picture and to the proper functioning of the church. There's no spares. There's no extras. And if one person tries to do something they aren't suited to do, we end up with two people out of place, if you think about it. So this means that we all seek to discover our spiritual gift and to use it in the most fruitful way possible. But it's only possible as we all come to the cross of Christ, as we all come to the table, and we ask Him to feed us, we ask Him to nurture us, And we walk in communion with Him, and as a result, we walk in communion with each other.